Hi, you're listening to the UNC Trauma Center's Trauma Talks podcast. I'm Charlotte, and I'm the newest member of the communications team at the UNC Trauma Center. I'm super excited to be helping with this podcast, along with other communications from the Trauma Center. Additionally, I'm super excited for today's podcast subject, which is fire safety in the kitchen. This is especially important right now because with the pandemic going on, plenty of people are getting in the kitchen and cooking, which is great, except for there are plenty of avoidable mistakes being made. That's why this year's Fire Prevention Week's theme is serving up safety in the kitchen and why we'll be focusing on fire prevention in the kitchen specifically today. So let's hop right into it. Today we have Jason Shepard here. Jason, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, ma'am. Thank you for that um, having me today. My name is Jason Shepard. I am fire marshal with Orange County Emergency Services. And specifically, the work that I do in the community is public fire education. And we deliver that service through fire code enforcement in commercial properties, fire home safety education resources through our local fire departments. And we conduct fire investigations to determine cause and origin. Excellent. So you obviously have quite a bit of experience with the fire department, and you probably see a lot of common errors related to fire safety in the kitchen. So what are the most frequent mistakes or myths that you notice circulating about fire safety in the kitchen? When they have an oven fire, for example, something in their oven catches fire, one of the first things that people like to do is open the oven door and deal with whatever is inside on fire, which is most likely the worst thing that they could do because you introduce oxygen into that closed environment. Um, The best source that you could do to put that fire out is cut the power off to the oven and not open the door because that fire can't sustain itself without the proper amount of oxygen. As soon as you open the door, it introduces oxygen into that environment. I, I recognize that most people have that automatic response so they want to open that door and deal with whatever's in there because they had put probably a decent amount of time on whatever they put in there and they don't they're watching their work go up in flames and they're you know they probably think that they can salvage it but if i could just get people to recognize that keep that door shut cut the power off that it won't burn forever And if you have to, get some help to roll your stove outside before you open the door and then you don't introduce smoke into your home. Awesome. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And I know of people that have done exactly that. So it's definitely good to bring attention to it. Do you have any other like tips for practicing fire safety, especially while cooking to prevent those sort of mistakes or hazards from happening? Sure. Sometimes we often see people that they'll put a pot on the stove and they'll either get the water boiling or they'll get something going and they don't control the temperature on their eye. And I think it's very important. Domesticated cooking is probably one of the most important things we can learn how to do, but a lot of us don't learn how to do it. 
And so when you use the wrong temperature on your food, you got to know what behaviors your food has to get to their ignition temperature or reduce the amount of water soluble uh, content in your pots and, and the food that you're trying to prep. When that starts to disappear, then obviously that's where you start to create the burn. Um, when that happens, a lot of people just freak out and it's human behavior to not know what to do in that incident and always important to have a plan. So some of the things that we want people to do in their kitchen is obviously stay in your kitchen and attend your food at all times. It's easy to get distracted. Children, somebody comes knocking on your door and you go answer it. You just forget all about what's going on in your kitchen. Um, technology has changed, so people tend to, you know, talk on the phone, use their phone as computer devices, and so that creates these distractions. It's very important that people stick with their food, know what you're trying to cook and how long it takes to cook something down or um, whatever cooking process you're in with whatever food you're trying to make. Um, it's very important to stay in touch with your recipes and not necessarily let those distractions get to you. Um, I find myself having to return back to my house because I can't remember if I cook, cut my eye off. And I, I do that a lot, it seems like, but I always find that I do cut the eyes off in my stove because I'm consciously worried about, well, did I cut that off? Did, you know, because you don't think about it. It's just like natural behaviors. And so it might help people to put a little note on your door of your home or in the bathroom or even on your steering wheel of your car as a reminder, did you cut off the stove or did you cut off the oven? For sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that's a good tip because I know I make the same mistake and my parents always stress me out and tell me to come back home to check on the oven when they ask. Yeah, that is there anything else you notice related to fire safety aside from like the stove in the kitchen or is that kind of the main concern? There are several appliances that we all use in our kitchens. Newer technologies, people are buying air fryers and air fryers have been a cause of fires. And some of the reasons that obviously when you put something in there too long or the wrong setting because some of these air fryers have multiple settings where you can you can roast, bake, rotisserie, air fry, and there's all options. Um, but those heating elements that are in these appliances are relatively accessible to the food and the pans that you put in there. Most families are big. And I think that some of the problems surrounding our fires is when people try to put too big of a dish in there or cook something so, you know, a little bit larger than it can accommodate. You get too close to these heating elements that are accessible and it'll dry your food out and quickly, you know, catch on fire. So toasters are another option that sometimes you can't quite explain how when you put it in a medium setting, like there may be something off with the heating element in some of these toasters and it's easy to catch people's toast on fire. Um, microwaves are notorious for people putting popcorn in there and hitting the popcorn button 
and then walking away, thinking that, oh, I'll just wait till I hear the beep, and then I'll go back and retrieve my popcorn. That not only happens in our community businesses, but it happens in our homes as well. And specifically what happens is people don't realize that when you purchase popcorn, that comes in a couple different size bags. So, for example, if you get like a half size bag and you stick it in your microwave and you hit the popcorn button, those buttons are typically designed with a certain time parameter for popcorns that are in the larger bag. <clears throat> so what happens is as technology changes, and then when I say that food technology, so we have scientists and researchers who constantly trying to find a better way for people to cook foods at more convenience. And so the butters and the fats and the things that include in these popcorn packages change over time. And Technology doesn't quite adjust to that all the time. So when you hit a popcorn button, you typically are going to catch it on fire if you don't pay attention because it will pop your popcorn at a whole lot higher weight based off of the energy output of your microwave. And so it's liable to catch fire prior to the microwave cutting off. So my recommendation is read your instructions. If it tells you to put it in for 45 seconds, put it in for 45 seconds. Don't hit the popcorn button and hopefully stand there and pay attention to what you're doing. For sure. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And that's a good tip. What about when there's actually like a bigger fire or something that people can't just handle on their own? How do you recommend people get out of the house? That depends. And I'll kind of go through a, a brief scenario. But one of the most important things you can do, if you get notified by a smoke alarm that something's in the kitchen is going off, or if it's on your stovetop, for example, and there's, there's obviously fire. One of the things you can do is put a lid on the pot, put a lid on the pan, find something that's going to basically smother the fire. Always cut the heat off. So whether you're propane, whether you're natural gas or whatever fuel source it is, cut that off immediately. Then try to like put that pot pan cover over it that lid get it off the heating source because that's what is causing the problem it's always a bad idea to introduce water onto your cooking fires because that tends to exacerbate the fire if it is grease laden that's why you want to remove it slide it off of that eye it's dangerous to try to move something that's on fire on on top of your stovetop to outside it can be done if you have the right equipment and somewhat opening the door and, and these other things, but it's a danger. We don't recommend that because then you create burn susceptibility. If you hit something or you spill it or it's going to introduce fire across your house, um, <clears throat> the best thing to do is cut the power off, put a lid on it, and grab a fire extinguisher. And it's always important to have a fire extinguisher accessible in your kitchen and one that has been maintained and ready to um, activate when you need it. So is there a common time of year that you see an increase in fire-related incidents that listeners should be aware of? Charlotte, it's interesting you asked this question because I noticed as our community shut itself down with the COVID 
response back in March, all of a sudden we had an uptick in kitchen fires. I can only relate that to people who are now spending more time in the kitchen. People probably had an opportunity to feed themselves that may or may not have done that before. The moral of the story is, yes, COVID introduced kitchen fires. I don't know the circumstances surrounding each one, but we did have an uptick in that. But I'm going to relate back to this. Everything about what you do, whether it's kitchen, whether it's prepping food, whether it has to do with appliance that you're using or microwave, it's all about having the right amount of knowledge on how to do what you're doing. And so if we can get cooking education into our communities and have people really pay attention to what they're doing in the kitchen, then I think that we can reduce a lot of incidents because we'll be paying more attention to what we're doing. Um, In addition, Thanksgiving is a really good time to to have fires and burns and things like that. And let me just say that fire safety in your kitchen and serving up that safety does include burn prevention and paying attention to the to these other hazards that are created in your kitchen you know you may not have a fire but it's easy to get burned with steam from boiling water or a hot pan or a hot pot or hot grease or something like that um there's all kinds of dangers in your kitchen and you really have to be conscious, especially when you have children or um, or aging parents or family members that, you know, tend to move their way around the kitchen without thinking through. Um, there are a lot of dangers in that kitchen. So um, with that being said, ho- holidays, specifically Thanksgiving, we find that more injuries occur because people decide to cook those turkeys on the on the uh those fryers outside the turkey fryers i think they call them some of the things that and the dangers that are created out of that is when people want to put frozen turkeys that have a lot of moisture content into that grease and if there's a no-no it is hot grease and water moisture because it creates a violent reaction we want to remind folks that with thanksgiving sort of around the corner that if they choose to participate in those turkey frying activities, that they take that out there in their backyard, away from their buildings, off of their porches, that you put your bird in an empty pot and you measure it with water till it covers the bird. And then you pull the bird out and you mark your pot. So when you pour that water out and it's time to put your cooking oils in there, that you go to that line that you marked. If you don't do that and you just take a guess on how much you need when you stick your bird in, that temperature is 365 degrees. And when it flows over onto that um, propane gas that's below feeding it, it's going to automatically at night. And the ignition temperature is right. And then you've got your fire. And then you've probably got about two gallons of, um, if not more, cooking oil that's on fire. So what do most people have outside to put a fire out with? is a garden hose well guess what it's not gonna work so we've seen an uptick in those throughout the years and specifically when cold weather starts around here when we have a really hard cold that's when people are going to start 
firing up those fireplaces. They don't necessarily take all the precautions to have their have a chimney sweep come out and clean that chimney. So that buildup of creosote um, tends to ignite, and we see an uptick in chimney fires throughout the winter season. Definitely. Those are all really good to be aware of. Now, do you have any resources related to fire safety so that listeners can further educate themselves on this? Absolutely. Um, two of the biggest resources that we have and utilize here in our community is the United States Fire Administration. They have public education materials that are available for free for you to download and to distribute accordingly. Also, the National Fire Protection Association, or NFPA for short, is, um, is, is a, has a huge resource in materials that are available to anyone. And I think they, both of those resources have um, multiple language options for all of our um, different members in our communities. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add? I think if I had to share with anyone in our community that if they have any questions about specifically what they can do in their home, be safe. We always welcome that conversation. So I hope whoever's listening feels comfortable enough to reach out and we'll be glad to help them with any fire safety messages, information that they need to make their home safer that they may or may not have thought of. So our whole job in fire prevention is to effectively not ever have to run a fire again. And so if we can educate our folks on and our our, um, residents that about those dangers, then they've got more situational awareness to prevent something from happening in their home. And that's the ultimate goal. So they're welcome to give us a call at Orange County Emergency Services, Chapel Hill Fire Department, Carver Fire Department, Hillsborough. We've got all these wonderful uh, community resources available in Orange County. Um, and the other fire departments would be Caldwell, Cedar Grove, Afflin, Eno, Orange Grove, New Hope, White Cross, Mavin, and of course, North Chatham is typically uh, a majority of the departments that we work with. So if you're kind of curious as to which one you would call, they're welcome to just give us a call and we'll funnel that conversation to where it needs to go. Thank you all so much for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed Jason's talk and got something out of it. I definitely enjoyed recording my first podcast with the Trauma Center. Whether you're doing some pandemic cooking or you're going to be cooking over the holidays or you just are putting this in your back pocket, it's definitely good information to have and definitely a really important topic. So with that being said, if there's any information that you were hoping to get from Jason, whether it be the resources that he provided or just his contact information, you can check out our website and check back on our website for future podcasts from other experts on safety 